This is the Microsoft Libraries and Museums podcast, a show dedicated to exploring the journeys of digital transformation with organizations from around the world. I'm Emily Kotecki. Today, I'm talking with Kevin Lim, Deputy Director for Innovation at the National Gallery of Singapore. Kevin is bringing a startup mentality to his museum. Kevin, thanks for being here. Hi, Emily. Great to be here. You helped create an incubator within your museum called Colab X. What is Colab X? And if I were to walk into your office, what would you be working on? Okay, so that's a that's a great question, and I think that's the intent of calling something Colab X. It sounds collaborative. It sounds laboratory like. And the X factor is is all baked in, so it's like a three in one right there. <laughs> so that idea really spawned about um, kind of uh, from our CEO. She's always looking for the cutting edge. She's she's an entrepreneur in in by heart, and uh, she actually came from the property business, uh, and she was doing very well there before she transitioned into this culture sector work and so she brought on a lot of very interesting kind of thinking uh, to this space and so after running the museum uh, since 2015 uh, after about two three years he decided to you know start an innovation kind of group or team and so what we do is kind of like in the early days we used to call it uh, kind of dabbling in the gray areas right? Mm. Where, you know, in most organizations, especially um, traditional ones like museums and all that, there are certain organizational structures. And uh, what we try to do is try to looking at the potential of collaboration, right? So, and really breaking away from the silos that normally exist in, in a lot of work environments. So that alone, that collaborative feature is a very big highlight of what we do. You also had the other question about what would I be doing or what you, you'd see when you walk in. Well, we, we kind of are working all over the place. I've got one, one of my teammates working on robots right now, and we actually have a robot tour guide that is um, sort of an in-between be- from the Gary Explorer app, which is acting as our audio tour um, application. And then we have a docent, a human docent, right? And so this robot's kind of like the hybrid of two sort of doing some of the basic tours that most people might be interested in, but maybe, you know, they don't have time to find or wait for a docent. So the robot's kind of there. So you find one person working on a robot, another person working on chatbots. You've got some chatbots in different areas. One chatbot we're working on is on wayfinding, another chatbot is on um, concierge services. And then we've got another one that's really trying to figure out, we're trying to work on this one where it's trying to explain art, which is a very tough thing to do. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so we're working on a bunch of stuff and it's all over the place. But ultimately, of course, we want to, to merge the stuff that works together. Uh, I think the kind of people that join us um, need to be the kind of people that really don't draw lines, are fearless and um, willing to experiment. And if it fails, so what? We just keep moving on that kind of attitude. It is most of your projects that you're working on, you talked a lot about these chatbots, these concierge, these robots, are most of the projects that you're, that, that particular, the Colab X is working on, is it audience focused or are you also focusing on 
projects that affect how you work. You mentioned that earlier that part of CollabX is like breaking down these silos. So where does your team straddle both places of internal innovation and visitor-centered innovation? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, so in typical museums or setups, in fact, most companies, you might have the marketing team that's looking at the front of house and, and together the visitor experience teams, right? These people all look after the visitors and all that. Then you've got the IT teams and all that trying to service the back of house. And I guess kind of like in that collaborative fashion, we, we don't really draw the lines. In fact, there's a lot of crossover that, that happened. For example, to build the app or to build the robot, uh, we need a lot of backend stuff that we end up working out the business processes for. And we realized that to really good, build good front ends, we really have to build good back ends because it's, it's kind of easy to build like a beautiful house on stilts, you know, in a way. <laughs> uh -huh. um, and everything just comes down, a house of cards. So we realized that we need to go forward and backward at the same time and try to, as we, as we build the stuff in front, it kind of legitimizes why we need to build the stuff at the back or fix the stuff at the back at the same time. And more often than not, when we want to solve a problem, we try to make sure that when this problem is solved, it kind of benefits multiple parties instead of just one. So we are trying to get multiple wins at the same time whenever we try and do something. A lot of times you talk about exposure marketing to the visitors, but there's almost an equal amount of sort of lobbying and, and, and education that happens internally as well to help different divisions see that they could ride the same wave and they could apply the technology in different ways to help themselves as well. So for example, we have a, a team called Community Access and they really look at volunteers and docents and all that. And uh, we're looking at ways in which, especially during these times of COVID, you know, can the docents still take um, gift tours remotely uh, maybe through our robots from home or wherever. What is the impact that you've seen so far uh, of CollabX and these different projects? And how do you measure that? And, and I guess this is like, you know, part 2A of that. Is yeah. measuring the success, is that how you decide, okay, chatbot, time to go, new robot, you're in? Like, how do you make those distinctions? How do you draw those lines? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, often what we do are not, say, fully operational projects, not something that you just you know, launch and it goes on for year, year after year. Uh, instead, what we do are what we call POCs, proof of concepts. And we might say, demarcate that this whole project, let's give it about six months to a year. Uh, let's take about three months to develop. And then from there, let's observe behavior, <laughs> observe adoption. Then at the end of the experience, normally we have a CSAT, which is a, you know, sort of customer satisfaction um, engine survey thing that sits in the system that will prompt and ask simple questions like it's almost like a pulse survey right to get a sense like okay how do you feel about this our five stars how you rate it and why do you rate it that way and something as simple as that gives us a huge load of information because we do try to make these uh, these feedback loops really simple so that that informs us what should stay and what should go and we are also trying to be as sustainable as possible so we're also looking for solutions that we developed that could possibly be marketed as products that we could, we could commercialize. These are things that we are kind of exploring and we are actively tracking. Because like you said, if, if we're not measuring the impact, then you know, we really won't know what, what the heck we're doing. It sounds like CoLab was started within a few years of the museum opening. 
And then since then, you've been able to create different projects and allow them to either succeed or be very comfortable with them failing. So how do you get into that mindset of saying that risk is okay? So Emily, that's that's really at the core of the culture that we're trying to to establish as well. No one can honestly say that they're comfortable with failure. We can only continue to try and move on and show progress in other areas, but we also have to know when some things have to shut down so that we can move on with our lives, right? They can't forever be roadblocks to uh, other projects. More often than not, sometimes things may die a premature death, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, whether it's like maybe if we did our first robot badly, it doesn't mean we give up. We might try a different version of it or try a different approach to it. Um, but at least we kind of have the, the narrative that we want to establish. And it's people like me, my job to try and make sure that um, the management, the rest of the, the gallery folks actually understand why we're doing what we do and um, not worry about the little things where, okay, this doesn't work, that doesn't work. It doesn't matter because it's the bigger journey that we're taking that's very important. You've also talked about your work in terms of you're continually innovating. And your next project is another incubator within the museum called YLab. What is that and how is it different from Colab X? Okay, so Colab X uh, represents um, a kind of near future that we ought to be going into. Um, sometimes there's a bit of inertia for museums to move in certain directions, naturally because in the everyday life, a lot of us have already got an inbox full of things to take care of. Why think about the next thing that I have to do when I've still got a ton of work to do? Now, where we start to realize we needed YLab, and YLab, why we actually came out of the word YLab, and this, this came with our venture cap that we uh, kind of worked with, why as a shape of a letter represents art and tech converging into one. So we realized that the thing about art is that most artists tend to be very subversive in nature in a sense that they see things quite differently. And so we were trying to figure out if there's a startup scene that looks at, you know, fintech, or financial technology, or HR tech, which, you know, human resources, those domains are so saturated with tech that there's probably less space for you to innovate at this point. However, the art space has so much to offer that we think that the narrative that we offer could really help pivot some of the existing products and services out there. So this is kind of like our little secret formula to say that, hey, if we threw an artist to think about the stuff along with the technologies, could we give birth to the next big thing? But having said that, of course, we try and have some stars to guide us and, and that's where all the trend reports kind of help us align in certain directions or know where to take risks as well and why we also partner with venture capitalists is to also kind of get the investor sense of where would they put their money down so if you think about it it's kind of like taking the techies the geeks and almost anyone else that out there who's very keen on other areas or other industries other than art to actually safely enter the art space and consider what it could offer Often it seems like museums and other industries too are, are chasing technology to see like, okay, we got to get, we got to catch up. But this seems like a very smart move in terms of partnering with the tech industry as opposed to trying to chase after it. It's interesting because there's so many different models for doing this. We, we've talked to the 
VC before and we know that, yeah, you know, in terms of investment and in terms of like success rates, you know, you're going to probably see like out of 10, maybe two might succeed or, or something like that. And that's the reality. But I think the bigger thing from doing this is actually the fact that we're doing it in the first place. The fact that we're willing to try, the fact that we'll probably learn from the eight that might not work and figure out things that could save everyone else a lot of potential pain and anxiety as well. You have said that museums can push the boundary about where a country can go. How do you align your work with that goal? The way I like to describe it is that if you look at what a country has to offer, right, there are many ways to look at a country's pride and joy. You could look at the wonderful skyscrapers. You could look at, you know, how well the people eat and, and, and live and all that. But if anything, it's kind of the heritage and the history and it's through the art that illustrates or makes it very visual. You can almost feel the aesthetic of the social fabric of a country through the art. It, it stands to bear that if Singapore were to describe itself quietly, it would be through the visual arts to be able to say that, you know, just through the art alone, you can see that it's multicultural, there's a lot of emphasis on food, there was a bit of war that happened, uh, and we're so, so tied in with the rest of Southeast Asia. And you can tell that all through art itself, you know, compared to a lot of the Western nations, such as uh, the US and Europe, have a longer history with, with art. And so it, it's almost second nature to your society to, to see art as, you know, a part and parcel of your life. But for such a young nation where we're still, still very economically driven, that, that yearning for identity and all that might not be so explicitly asked for or required by the population at this point. What we are trying to do is accelerate that social and cultural maturity. Some of the biggest clues come from how art becomes tied in with the school curriculum. So we start them young. When parents actually bring um, kids to museums, their children to museums, it actually sets the ball rolling and makes the museum a safe space for them instead of feeling like a very intimidating space. So all these things are starting to happen. And as CollabX, we're kind of like trying to help the museum stay relevant by offering the kind of tools and the kind of platforms that people are familiar with so they're not alienated from art in a way. I have to say that was a very beautiful answer. So I really appreciate the thought that you um, put into that. Um, I want to recap and say in 2015, your museum opened. A few years later, you had XLab, uh, CoLab X. And now in 2020, you're starting YLab. So you're moving pretty fast in terms of museum standards. How do you think about the idea of transformation? Is the goal to transform how the museum operates? Or do you think about transformation as iterative? It's interesting because, yeah, that word gets thrown quite a lot. It started off with digitalization in the early days, right? And then now the big thing is all about transformation where we, we're really rethinking our process and all that. But ultimately, right, there are all these ad hoc efforts that we could do, but the ultimate best thing to help with transformation is actually creating that sense of urgency. And so there could be different crises that needs to be leveraged, be it the pandemic or be it certain audit situations or be it certain... Uh, how there could be talent that is lost, you know, or, and all that. All these little things that poke into how an organization works 
are opportunities in which you can make that change. And these give good reason and urgency to change because it's kind of funny, right, Emily? I'm sure you can understand that we can't just like say, okay, it's time to change now. There must be a kind mm. of like push from somewhere. And so it's, it's up to those of us who want to make that push to find that excuse somewhere, find that reason somewhere. It doesn't just happen because people feel like it. It, it won't work that way. Kevin Lim, Deputy Director for Innovation at the National Gallery Singapore. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Emily, for having me. At the end of every episode, we hear from Catherine Devine, Global Business Strategy Leader for Libraries and Museums at Microsoft. Catherine, thanks for being here. What did you take away from today's conversation? Thanks so much, Emily. I had the pleasure of meeting Kevin uh, a year ago when I was in Singapore. And actually, I had a pleasure of visiting the National Gallery of Singapore, I think it was three years ago now, before I joined Microsoft, and uh, was so inspired by the experience of that museum. And uh, so actually, many museums in Singapore have really made a lasting impression on me. But as a whole country, it's a very innovative country. And um, I don't think people quite realize that um, who, uh, who haven't necessarily visited, visited um, Singapore, but they're doing some amazing work. Um, I really love some of the things that Kevin has, has had to say. As I said, he made quite the impression on me when I met him a year ago. You know, this comment that he makes about to build good front ends, we need to build good back ends. Such an important thing. I think in the, in the museum world, we can tend to focus, we're very creative as an industry, uh, we can tend to focus on that, on that front end experience. But the sustainability, the impact, the transformation comes from having that good back end. And, you know, that's an important piece of this. And today, technology is so much more accessible than it was. Every year, you know, technology as an industry innovates itself. And every year it gets better and better and more accessible. And, um, and so it's something that I think, you know, if there is one thing, that I'd really love the museum industry to understand. It's this need for a good infrastructure. Um, it can make a world of difference. It's a lot more accessible, um, but it allows us to scale um, these kinds of experiences. But I also really like how he talks about how they've progressed from this idea of CollabX, which had very important, this piece of collaboration. And I had no idea that that's actually the story behind it, the X factor. Um, into YLab and seeing it, this as partnering with tech industry rather than just, I've got to have tech, I've got to have tech, right? And I think that this is how Microsoft also sees we want to partner with um, museums and libraries globally to, you know, help achieve and increase their, the outcomes of their, of their missions and goals. So these are all important things. And I think finally, you know, the point that, that Kevin makes is this idea that transformation doesn't just happen for transformation's sake or change for change's sake. It needs to be a push from somewhere. Something needs to happen. It either needs to be a group or it needs to be an individual or it needs to be some change in society. And I think we've seen COVID has been a major impetus um, for change, that suddenly we're prepared to look at um, digital experiences in a way that we weren't prepared to look at, even in the most innovative in countries. Um, that we weren't prepared to look at, say, 12, 10 months ago before COVID. So thank you again for, 
such a great conversation with uh, Kevin. I really look forward to our next episode and, uh, and thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you for listening. The Microsoft Libraries and Museums podcast will be released every Monday and can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts.